and welcome to Non-Technical, where I, your host, Alexis Gay, interview influential folks from tech, media, business, and beyond about everything except their resumes. Today on the pod, a truly and earnestly long-awaited pod, we have Anne Ramondi, COO and head of business at Asana. Though she's done a lot of other super impressive, really interesting things prior to that, which admittedly, I'm not going to ask her that much about. And thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. I've been really looking forward to the conversation. Yay, that makes two of us. Are you ready to dive in? I am. Woo, let's do it. This episode of Non-Technical is brought to you by Bets Recruiting. That's right, Bets is back on the pod, baby. Don't get me wrong. I love a warm intro as much as the next person, but what I don't love is combing through LinkedIn for four hours and then texting someone I haven't talked to since 2011 to ask for an intro to some random at the company I wanna work for who they may or may not know. So if you're a high-performing professional looking for your next opportunity, but tired of sending resumes out into the void or waiting on your friend to finally submit that referral, it's time to become a Bets Connect community member. Thousands of tech startups are on their way to becoming the next unicorn, and they're looking for talented sales, marketing, and customer success professionals. Apply to join Bets' exclusive network, and if you're accepted, those tech startups will reach out to you. Apply now for your exclusive lifetime membership at betsrecruiting.com slash non-technical. Anne Ramondi is Asana's COO and head of business, leading and scaling Asana's growth and global business operations and go-to-market teams, including sales, marketing, customer operations, partner programs, and business development. Anne is an industry veteran with over 20 years of experience leading various product and business functions in fast-growing SaaS companies. Prior to her role at Asana, she was the chief customer officer at Guru, senior vice president operations at Zendesk, chief revenue officer at TaskRabbit, and held senior positions with SurveyMonkey and eBay. Anne serves on the boards of Gusto, Patreon, and Guru. She holds a BA in economics and sociology and an MBA from Stanford University and is a lecturer in management for Stanford's Graduate School of Business. Anne, welcome to Non-Technical. Thank you. I'm very, very excited to be here. I'm so happy to be here. We have such, I think, a very interesting origin story, which I believe I've shared with you, but I'm going to tell you again in case I haven't, which is that when I was at Patreon and you joined our board, you came to speak at our That's all hands. right. It was so fun. Yeah, very early on, I did. It was that was so fun. fun and I was blown away by you, like earnestly blown away. I was like, this is one of the most impressive, coolest, interesting people I've ever heard from. Well, that is very kind. I'm going to have to play that clip for my kids. <laughs> Send them my way. I will happily let them know that their mom is a rock star. I was so blown away by you. And I was so excited that you were on our board while I was still a Patreon. It made me feel really great that we had someone like you on the board. And then when I left Patreon, I learned that we are also connected through my friend, Brian Kimmel. Yes. I love Brie. Brie and I work together at Zendesk and she's now doing amazing things with work life. Truly, I know. I'm excited about the kinds of questions you ask because it's fun to talk about things outside of work. Isn't that nice? <laughs> it is. It is. So, Anne, let's start here. Tell me this. How did you spend your last day off? Well, actually, I was just down in Santa Barbara because my oldest son is at UC Santa Barbara studying mechanical engineering. Oh, wow. I've got three kids and my two younger kids, they just had their winter break last week. 
That's really nice. And something that I know about your family is that it's a big water polo family. It is. All three <laughs> of my kids are swimmers and water polo players. I can't believe you remembered that. Can you tell me how that happened? <laughs> how that occurred? Yeah. Why that sport of all sports? Yeah. Well, my husband grew up swimming and playing water polo. And so uh-huh. all three kids swam. And then as they got into Middle school, the fun thing about water polo, oh, certainly the fun thing about water polo as a parent watching it is Mm. it's a lot more exciting than watching a swim meet. Water polo games are time bound and super exciting versus swim meets that seem like they go on forever. And then you're cheering for your child to be in the pool for as few seconds as possible. Yeah, seriously. But the fun part about water polo is it is such a great team sport. And so all three Mm. of my kids have really enjoyed all the relationships that they've made with their teammates. You know, it can be one of those sports as a parent where you're like, hmm, am I making the best decision that other people's children are trying to drown my child in the pool? Yeah, I was going to say, it's kind of scary to watch. It is. The alarming part of it is my kids will tell me, that I'm only seeing, you know, a fraction of what actually happens because most of the excitement is under the water. Oh my God. That is alarming news. (laughs) Exactly. But it makes for really resilient children. That's a great point. I am very familiar with water polo because I went to boarding school in Connecticut and water polo was a big sport in that circuit. Oh, fascinating. Oh yeah. That is really seen many a water polo match. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it's very big in California and especially like Southern California. It's definitely been picking up in the Bay Area. So I had no idea that Connecticut boarding school, that water polo. Oh yeah. Oh, it's a whole big thing over there. Okay. That's very cool. So does your oldest son at Santa Barbara, does he play in college? He played on the club team. So, and which was a great way to meet friends. I love that. I mean, sports for me were always more of the, like the social aspects were the, was the drawing point. <laughs> yeah, it is a great way to make friends. So, Anne, is there a fad that you look back on participating in? And this could be something fashion-y or workout or cultural that looking back now makes you a little cringy. Like, ooh, I don't recognize the person that did that. I grew up in the 80s and 90s, so there's so many that come to mind. (laughs) It was an era of interesting fashion choices. But I would say, yes, yeah. yeah. And some of them come back, which is surprising. For better or for worse. Like, some are coming back, and I'm like, please keep your low-rise jeans out of my 2022. We fought so hard for high-waisted jeans to come back into the zeitgeist. How dare you? And many people are probably not ready for low-rise jeans to come back quite yet, given all our time just on Zoom. If I think about something that I look back and I'm like, ooh, I don't know if that was like the best decision to participate in. I would say I did go through a period of time where I got perms. Oh, like curly perms? Yeah, curly perms. Really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And what prompted the perms? I think it's just growing up with really straight hair and then wanting mm. really curly hair, right? We always want the I hair know. that we don't have. Like it's hard to appreciate the hair that we do have. So, so went through a period of getting perms. And now I look back on some of those pictures and I'm like, hmm, that wasn't a good look. And nobody told me. At the time though, were you jazzed about it? Were you like, ooh, look at my perm? I think so. Yeah, yeah right? It, yeah, I got curly hair. Yeah, and I'd always wanted curly hair. But I was probably not meant to have curly hair. <laughs> you were fighting nature. <laughs> I was. <laughs> I totally get that. You always want what you can't have or what you don't naturally have. I understand that completely. I used to straighten my hair sometimes just to have that like super soft, straight, sleek, blowout look, you know, because that's not what I have. (laughs) It's the same thing. Yeah. 
It is. It's so funny that we just don't like, it must be something wired in us where we're like, oh, that, that must mm-hmm. be what I should have. Cause I don't have it. Has a piece of art ever changed your life? Oh, I love that question. Yes. So this was a number of years ago, we took a family trip to Paris and mm. my oldest son at the time was 14. And we went to the Lorangerie where there's the Monet installation of the water lilies. It was one of those things where like, as a parent, you're like, oh, okay, I'm bringing my kids into a museum Mm -hmm. with all kinds of art that I love. And in particular, it it just, it's such a beautiful collection there. And so we went through the whole museum and as we were leaving, my husband and I said, hey, is there anything anybody wants to see again? And he said, I'd like to just sit in the Monet room for a little bit longer. And it was just awesome. It was just awesome. At 14? Yeah, it is beautiful. Yes. And very moving. What did that feel like as a parent to hear that come out of your child's mouth? Were you like, I crushed it as a parent? (laughs) (laughs) I think it was more just a moment of like, oh, I'm going to just really enjoy this. I'm going to really enjoy it. And that the beauty that is in art of all forms kind of can touch anybody at any age. Mm. I think that was a lovely moment. Oh, that's gorgeous. What I really like about that is I'm somebody who I appreciate art a great deal, but I don't have a robust education in art. I can't look at a painting and tell you a lot about the period in which it was made or whatever, but I like to take it in and let it make you feel all the things and just let it be organic and not necessarily based in, ah, I can tell you facts about this. Yeah, no, I think that's um, maybe the whole purpose, right? That it moves us no matter who we are or something about it touches you. Have you ever been an artist yourself? I enjoy art and definitely crafts. When my kids were little, children in preschool and through like elementary school are little craft factories. And so I quite enjoy it. That's great. Not in any scale. I do like making things. I think in a parallel universe, I imagine myself as like someone that has a really cool Etsy store. Really? But it's definitely in a parallel universe. It's not in this current. Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, what kind of Etsy store would you have? I don't know. I just, part of it is like, I love Etsy. I love getting gifts there and jewelry Mm -hmm. and all kinds of like amazing art. Every time I find something new, I'm like, oh, that person is living a really, really cool life Mm -hmm. and creating these beautiful things that I get to enjoy. And in a parallel universe, I am also that cool. (laughs) But in this current one, I'm just going to be a big supporter of what they're doing. That's also good. Well, then if you weren't doing what you do now professionally, what do you think you'd be doing? If I had the skills to do Mm -hmm. an Etsy store, maybe that. But I also sometimes have dreams of like running an indie bookstore. Really? Reader. And I love, you know, that discovery of like going into a little bookstore, especially like in a new town or city. And then just the ones that are well curated Mm -hmm. where they leave little notes of like, this is what the staff loves, or we just all read this together. And then you pick up a book you weren't expecting to pick up and it's just gorgeous. Yes. I totally love that experience. Also, this is uh, my best friend, Sarah, to a T. Every time we travel together, we pop into a bookstore for exactly that experience. If you had an indie bookstore, do you think that you would also include a cafe portion? Because that is one of my favorite aspects of an indie bookstore. I think that's important. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Because then people can sit and browse and read and enjoy a lovely cup of coffee or Mm -hmm. tea. I like that. Okay. 
new life dreams. Yeah. Just to build out the plan a little bit for your future. You know, yeah. if you ever decide that like <laughs> yeah. crushing it at tech and business is maybe no longer for you, a little indie bookstore with a cafe. I also went to one in Hudson, New York recently that had a bar. And it was just like a lovely bar with lots of like IPAs and local brews and wine and stuff. And then just like a super cute indie bookstore. And then bonus in the back, craft and art supplies. This place okay, truly had is. everything. <laughs> You're going to have to send me. I will. I will. I think I need to go visit. Yes. I'm just going to move it. I'm going to be like, my friend Alexis told me <laughs> that you're running this amazing <laughs> thing here. And so I'm, I'm just, I'm here to enjoy all of it. Yes, exactly. And dream about replicating this somewhere. I believe in you. I mean, I really believe that you could do this. I will be your first customer. I will happily come into your okay. indie bookstore. I'll buy a hardcover even. That's how much I believe don't in your work. forget the crafts part and the oh. bar. <laughs> Because now you've expanded my dream. (laughs) That's great. If you were kidnapped, but you had the chance to communicate with your friends and family and secretly let them know something was wrong, what would you say? I did ask my kids. I share that because the background to my answer is they grew up watching a television show called iCarly. Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) And there happens to be an episode in which some of the characters are kidnapped. (gasps) The way that they communicate that they're kidnapped to their friend is they deliver a happy birthday message to him that has all the secret messages encoded in it. Wow. So my kids told me my, the way that I should communicate that I am kidnapped is to say happy birthday, Gibby. Oh, okay. That's great. Backstory to it because otherwise it makes no sense. (laughs) That's amazing. The other possibility is from a friend's episode in which Chandler is trapped in a vestibule. Oh, in the ATM vestibule with Jill Goodacre. (laughs) (laughs) There, see that one. So that would be another one. I'm trapped in an ATM vestibule. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh my God. I remember seeing that episode for the first time so vividly. It's so good. It was so So funny. That's amazing. Especially because he has a piece of gum in his mouth. I I mean, the whole thing is just comic genius. It's brilliant. That's brilliant. Okay. Fantastic. You know, Matthew Perry has a book coming out that you could put in your indie bookstore. It's coming out this fall. (laughs) The whole circle. The whole circle. I love it. I'm already starting to like plan inventory for the bookstore. Uh, God, that honestly sounds so fun. Getting to spend a lot of time thinking about that. Yeah. I'm going to have to start putting together book lists and then I'll send them to you. Like, okay, on opening day. I love that. What selection would you like? <gasps> okay. One request. Can we have in your bookstore, can there be a non-technical shelf? And it's all the books written by my past guests because I looked at all of the books yeah. that guests have written. It is pun intended. It is stacked. Like, I mean, these books are incredible. I've had Julie Zhu who wrote Making a Manager. I had Max Chafkin who wrote a book on Peter Thiel. There's like so many books. Oh I'm like, my this gosh. is the coolest. Yeah. yeah. I That's love my that. only ask. <laughs> A non-technical shelf. Okay, let's do it. Yay. Wow. We've got like, this is already off to a great start. And we've got this whole future career planned. I'm ready. Do (laughs) Do you have a catchphrase or other words or phrases that you or, or other people think are specific to you? Like things you say a lot? When I am rallying the family to get ready to go somewhere, yes. I tend to say, okay, party people, let's get it together. <laughs> that might be my catchphrase. That's so cute. Now, is the tone of okay, party people, is it more of a cheery sort of like, okay, let's go party people? Or does it ever reach that, okay, party people, like we've got to go? In my mind, <laughs> the story I tell myself is that it leans to the very mm-hmm. positive yes. and cheery. Yep. 
we'd have to survey my children to see. I'm sure there's a world in which they hear the tone maybe slightly different. Sure. But in my, in my universe, it's always positive. I love that. Okay, party people, let's go. <laughs> That's yeah. fantastic. I'm big on, I realize that I say, okay, team a lot. And I think it's oh. from when I did legitimately manage a team and it made sense, but I have not stopped. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's nice because that just means you consider everybody on your team. That's That's true. Yeah. And I, I do feel that way. So that's why I say it still. (laughs) Okay. Team, here's the deal. (laughs) What is the tiniest hill that you're willing to die on? So something super inconsequential that you would really go to bat for. I don't know if this one feels inconsequential, but I have a big thing about People should be really nice to anybody in a service or support job. Oh, of course. That to me is like a, that's a big, that's a big hill. Okay. So we're looking for something smaller. I mean, let me just validate that large hill because I take that one to the absolute extreme where if someone is not behaving in a way that is polite and courteous to anyone in the service industry, I can't get past it. (laughs) It's like a problem for the future of our friendship or worse, our romantic relationship. If someone behaves poorly on a date, I'm like, oh my God. Because usually like people get angry and that person, they didn't create the problem. Mm -hmm. They're just there to help you. I'm like getting agitated with them. Have you ever worked in the service industry? Not full time as a job, but very, very early in my career, I worked for a company called Jimboree at the corporate headquarters. Mm. And every corporate employee had to work a day, a quarter, in the stores. I love that. It was a great experience trying to fold tiny children's clothes and take them back on the shelves and answer all kinds of questions that people had. And, and also helping generally like parents who came in with like a toddler in a stroller trying to get around a store and trying to be able to look at the clothing. And it was definitely a great experience in learning how to really help people. Totally. I think people who've had even that type of experience are much more tuned in to how important it is to treat people with respect. Hopefully everyone is just sort of born with that. But in college, I worked as a bartender or as like a server over the summers a couple times. And I worked in a candy store when I was 16. There's little things like that. Having just had that experience on the other side, even though I was so young when I did that, and I never did it for more than a few months at a time, it just for the rest of my life, I have that. I know what that feels like. And so it's just, that is a total non-starter to me. So, and I love that hill and I will join you on it, but I do believe that that is a large hill. <laughs> Give me something small. Give me something silly. <laughs> a tiny hill I'm willing to die on is that Princess Bride is the best movie of all time. Really? Oh, okay. All <laughs> right. So Princess Bride, a movie that is, it was a book first, right? Yeah. Have you read the book? I have not read the book though. I need to read the book to put it on the bookshelf in the store. So I need to do that. But we just love the movie. Really? We, like, I, I, I've lost count how many times. We, it's just one of those movies that if there's nothing really going on in the family, we're like, oh, just put Princess Bride on. But my Princess Bride fun fact is when I had my first child, yes. we brought Princess Bride on videotape, if you can remember what videotape <laughs> yes. was like to the hospital to watch while I was in labor. Really? That's how much I love Princess Bride, yeah. So was it a favorite of yours or your husband's prior to the kids coming around then? Yeah. And where did that come from? I don't even remember. I just, it just feels like we've always watched the movie. That is so funny. And then can repeat lines to one another. So yeah, that's my tiny hill. 
That's a great hill. That's a fantastic hill. Okay, how many times have you had to ballpark it? How many times do you think you've seen it? McKinsey interview case study question style. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Over the last like 25 years, yeah. if we watched it like six times a year. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm so happy. Oh my God. I'm so happy about that. That's really terrific. Do you know when you watch it, do you know almost every line then? Oh yeah. And then just randomly we'll say things like marriage of course. <laughs> or inconceivable. I mean, just ran- like randomly. It's a very quotable movie. <laughs> it, is. it is. There's just so many moments of joy in it. Does it bring you comfort? Yeah, very much. There's everything you want in a movie in it and more including <laughs> Billy Crystal. So everything you want and more. That's so true. Is it your go-to comfort movie? Oh, definitely. That's okay. definitely like a, Hey, if we need to, it's sometimes it's also just like a good movie to have in the background where yes. like when you're wrapping presents before the holidays uh-huh. or making dinner and there's just like something fun that like, if you miss something, you know exactly what's going on. Exactly. I think that's really important in a comfort show or in a comfort movie is knowing it well enough that you can miss parts of it because sometimes, at least in my life, if I'm seeking out a comfort show, it's because something else is going on, whether I'm distracted or I'm physically doing something. For me, it's watching Parks and Recreation, which is my favorite TV show. I've seen it all the way through. I don't even know how many times, but I know all the words and I know the lines, so it's fine. It can be on. I can be kind of going in and out. Like you said, wrapping presence, packing. I hate packing. So I try to distract myself, that kind of stuff. That's a good one. What is something non-work related that you're really proud of? I know I keep bringing up my kids, but definitely that. If you didn't keep bringing up your kids though, I would be also, you know, like they're your kids. You birthed them. Of course they're a huge (laughs) part of your life. I would say that my family, like having a good family and great kids. And yeah, I'm very proud of that. That's something really important to me. A child that appreciates Monet. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) that's huge. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. Do your kids ever make you laugh? Oh, all the time, every day. They are hysterical. Really? I mean, partly also right now they're young adults, teenagers. Mm. So like they're super, they are very funny. Sometimes they intend to be funny and other times they're just funny. That's amazing. <laughs> like it makes my husband and I laugh. They're <laughs> like, okay, that's, that's what's going on in your life right now. Let's talk about it. Do they think that you and your husband are funny? Oh, not at all. No, no not even no, a little? No, they don't like... Maybe sometimes they will reluctantly laugh. <laughs> I think my husband's going like a firm embrace of dad jokes. Okay. Like not even <laughs> accidentally. He's definitely like trying to come up with things. Oh, I love where that. It's like obviously dad humor. Yes. And then springing it on them and then seeing if they'll laugh at it. Yes. Which usually they try not to. <laughs> and then you'll hear them sort of like snorting laughing yes. like, and trying to hide it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a game we play right now. Oh, that's amazing. That's really great. Is there a song that whenever you hear it takes you back in time? I'm a big ABBA fan. Oh, I love ABBA. So Take a Chance on Me. That was like a, for some reason, that's like one that's very memorable. It was one of those songs that could be a theme song, Mm -hmm. you know, especially in your late teens, early 20s, where you're like, ah, there's so much about that song that's like, yeah, I could do it, but you got to take a chance on me. Yes. Do you remember where you were when you first heard it? I feel like I first heard it maybe on the radio. And then just, I was always fascinated by the fact that English was not their first language and yeah. that they just had such great songs. Yep. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> of all the ABBA songs, I've got ABBA Gold and Best of ABBA. Mm. But Take a Chance on Me is definitely a favorite. That definitely makes me want to listen to ABBA for the rest of the day. Because you're so right. It's just, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I can do it, but someone needs to take a chance. It's a very uplifting yeah, song. Yeah. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I'm sure you know that ABBA, the name comes from the initials of the band members. Yeah. ABBA, like I can just picture, you know, like the the fact that the B is like reversed. Yeah, like, flipped, yeah. So, so many beautiful things about ABBA, yeah. Oh, ABBA's great. I mean, I was going to say underrated, but I think many people agree with us. So I don't know that they're underrated. <laughs> they're appropriately rated. <laughs> yeah, but they're just, they're one when you're like, oh yeah, ABBA, I do love ABBA. Like it's one of those where you're like, you get surprised by like, oh, how, why haven't I listened to this in a while? And then you listen to it and you're like, Oh, I'm happy. 100%. I mean, that's how I feel right now. Literally, as soon as you said that, I was like, why haven't I been listening to ABBA like every day? <laughs> Yeah. Why am I not dancing to Dancing Queen right Seriously. Now? Yeah. Give it about <laughs> 20 minutes. <laughs> you know, and very few people, when you say ABBA, very few people are like, oh, I hate ABBA. Like who hates ABBA? You can't. That's also something lovely about them. I agree. Yeah. Universal appeal. Mm. Do you believe in ghosts? Oh, a hundred percent. Really? One hundred percent? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do. Tell me more. Well, so part of it is both like my family and my husband's family are big believers in the possibility, right? I remember growing up hearing stories about my maternal grandfather mm. who would see spirits and ghosts. And then my husband's family are also big believers in that there's more that we don't totally understand, but we've definitely like had, well, what we convince ourselves is like yeah. experiences with, really? with what we think are ghosts. One is my kids are convinced that there's a friendly ghost that lives in our house that oh. they would see or feel when they were little. They picture a little girl like in our house. I know, oh. so <laughs> but they, they said she was really friendly. Okay. There's been a couple of times where they're like, oh, we saw her, felt her go down the stairs. And they weren't afraid of that. No, they felt like a friendly vibe. When that came up or when the idea of there being a specific ghost in the house came up, like, was it something that they came up with and then brought to you? Did you also feel it? Did your husband feel it? There's once that my husband thought that one of the kids was coming down the stairs mm. and, and then realized after like, oh, none of the kids came down the stairs. And mm. then it was sort of like, well, what was that? Early on when my oldest son was a toddler, actually. Mm. One of my husband's grandfathers passed away mm. and my son had gotten to know him yeah. and, and knew him. And there was one day he was, I still remember this vividly. He was like drawing with crayons at our kitchen table yeah. in, in a house that we used to live in. And he looked up and he was like waving out the window. And I was like, oh, it's like the mailman coming mm. or like, who's coming up the front walkway. And I mean, he was literally like, three years old. Yeah. And he looked at me and he said, Oh, I was just waving to Papa. <gasps> yeah. He was like, Papa came to say hi to me. Oh my gosh. I have chills. <laughs> wow. Hence the hundred percent we believe in ghosts. Wow. I really love the perspective of the friendly ghosts and that it's not necessarily scary. I've always associated ghosts with something scary because I can't see it or understand it. And so that's yeah. the natural human reaction, right? Is like, oh, I don't get yeah. it. It's bad. <laughs> yeah. Versus like, hey, maybe there's something beyond our total comprehension, but there's, I don't know, hopefully like lovely people in our lives who are looking out for us. I like to believe that. 
Why not? It doesn't hurt you to believe it, I guess. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Okay. I have a two-part question for you next, which is part number one, who would play you in a movie about your life? And part two, should this movie be a biopic? So birth to present day, or should we focus in on a particularly exciting era of your life? Oh, good question. It's certainly like a few people I'm a fangirl of, and Mm. it really would depend on the focus of the movie. Okay. So the big dream would be Aquafina, but it'd have to be, oh, yeah. you know, about like a humorous part of sure. my life. So if we go comedy Aquafina, that would be amazing. Yeah. I've always been a Lucy Lou fan. I mean, oh it's yeah. Hard not to be of a course. Lucy Lou. But I feel like that's super aspirational and would have to be, I don't, I don't know if I could live up to Lucy Lou. The question is, could Lucy Lou live up to you is really the question we're asking <laughs> here. And she's pretty awesome. I know. But did you hear the bio at the start of this show? Come on. <laughs> Who is the third one? Ali Wong. Yes. Oh my God. I love Ali Wong so much. So it'd be hard. Oh my God. We're going to have to make three movies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there's enough material from birth to now. Yeah, Um, I I feel you. I mean, I've had some fun and funny moments, certainly in tech. I worked during the dot-com boom. I worked for a company called Blue Nile as part of the team that early on started it. And like, we were selling diamonds online when people (laughs) were like, what are you doing? Yeah. And so I learned how to grade diamonds and pick, pack, and ship diamonds. Really? A lot of diamond inventory can fit in a shoebox. Oh, yeah. Like a a terrifying amount, actually. (laughs) Yeah. There's definitely some, like, fun early internet and tech stories. Okay, I love that. That could be put into a movie. I'm trying to think of who of the three would be most appropriate if we did, like, assuming we were talking late 90s. Late 90s, early. Yeah, late 90s, early. Early 2000s. My gut says Ali Wong, but it's because she's from the Bay Area. And so I feel like that as being a part of her background, maybe she'd kind of get it. The Silicon Valley tech scene, Mm -hmm. the humor in it. Yes. But I also would love to see Lucy Liu do something like that. Like I could just see her really crushing it in like a boardroom scene of sorts. I'm picturing your life in a board, you know what I'm picturing like boardroom moments where (laughs) Lucy Liu has to like really lay down the law. (laughs) (laughs) So both of those could be good. Early career moments. I was at eBay for a Mm -hmm. number of years when that company acquired PayPal. Like there was just definitely some fun early internet I think you're right. I think this is the era to focus in on. And it's very popular right now in Hollywood. It's in it. I think that it, we're just at the beginning of seeing some of these tech stories really come out. And probably tech stories rewritten, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cleaned up for air, certainly. <laughs> okay, I'm very excited about this film, personally. <laughs> All right. I think that would be so great. Do you have any ideas for the soundtrack? I could definitely see a soundtrack heavily featuring girl bands from Mm, that era. From that era. (gasps) You know what we need though? If we're doing your early career, you know what song needs to open the film is Take a Chance on Me by ABBA. Yes. Definitely. (laughs) That's perfect because getting into tech and getting into your early career is all about like doing the work, but then you, one person has to kind of be like, yes, (laughs) they have to take a chance. This is going to be a great movie. And honestly, I think Ali Wong is going to be very excited when she hears about the project. Okay. Personally. (laughs) That's my assumption. Yeah. She's like, of all the things I could do. Yeah. Hmm. 
as soon as she hears about it, I'm sure. And we can only imagine she's a listener of the show. So. Oh, well, that for sure. Of who isn't? I'm sure, you know, Lucy, Lou, people are going to be clamoring. Aquafina, I'm going to, my DMs are going to be blowing up. They're going to be like, Alexis, I need this job. And I'm going to be like, okay, well, I have to ask Anne. Honestly, it's going to come down to her. I'm going to have to do some work on making some of those scenes interesting. No, I bet they're so much more interesting than you think. There's definitely probably also some really fun ones involving you know, VCs. Oh yeah. Because I've met my fair share. Yeah. Same, (laughs) same. (laughs) Is there anything that your family did growing up that you thought was normal, but later you realized was outside the norm? So my dad is an engineer. He's retired now. Oh, cool. He worked for many years for IBM. So something, and I have two sisters, I'm in the middle. So I have an older sister and a younger sister. And so something my dad did with us when we were growing up, that I think we thought was perfectly normal. And then we realized later on that no one else's family did it is he would bring puzzles home, puzzles and brain teasers and like sometimes math related and sometimes just logic related. And he would give us these puzzles and my sisters and I would do these puzzles. Like we're really good at like brain teasers. Right now I'm somewhat lording over my children that I'm quite good at Wordle. Okay. I credit all these puzzles, early training. How old were you when he would bring home those puzzles? Oh, probably like second, third grade. Yes. And then the three of us would sit down and like do these puzzles and have competitions on these brain teasers. And we just thought like, oh, this is what everybody does, you know, (laughs) together on a Saturday or Sunday. That's brilliant. And we realized that no one does that. No, but it sounds like your dad had the right idea. I mean, it seems like that was a great idea. Did you end up recreating that with your kids? No. So, so my kids do like playing games. I've not done, we have not quite embraced the like brain teasers the way my dad did. And then he would sit down with us after and like go through them. And then like the ones that we didn't get, he always had like a really, he'd be like, okay, what's another way you might approach this problem? So I do credit my dad with like good, instilling good problem solving. Yeah, seriously. That's very funny. We haven't done it quite the same. My kids do like puzzles and games, but I think they've kind of come onto that themselves. I would like to think. I'm sure they're. I'm sure they would tell me like, uh, "No, mom, you introduce those or you encourage it," but not quite at the same degree that my dad did. That makes sense. I mean, you know, maybe next time you all watch The Princess Bride together, just throw a puzzle out there. Just maybe just toss it out there. They're already going to be like docile because Princess Bride will be on. The family will be happy. Throw a brain teaser out there. I like it. I like it. That's great. And we're going to take a super quick break and then we will be right back. This episode of Non-Technical is still brought to you by Bets Recruiting. Okay, real talk. We all know someone who's been complaining about their job for the last three months, but doesn't seem to be doing anything about it. And sure, maybe at times we've all been that person too. On the one hand, I get it, because even after you found an open role that feels like a fit, figuring out the right place to submit your resume can be a huge mountain to climb. But on the other hand, there are so many tools today to make that climb feel more like a pleasant, non-inclined walk, like bets. So if you, or your friend, are a high-performing professional looking for your next opportunity, it's time to become a Bets Connect community member. Apply to join Bets' exclusive network, and if you're accepted, tech startups will reach out to you. You decide who to talk to. You decide your path. So next time your disgruntled friend starts a conversation with, you're not going to believe what happened on Slack today. Maybe find a way to bring up Bets. Or hey, maybe send in this episode of Non-Technical, huh? Ah, subtlety. 
Apply now for your exclusive lifetime membership at bestrecruiting.com slash non-technical. And we're back with Anne Ramondi, COO and head of business at Asana. Anne, we have arrived at a very exciting moment in this episode of non-technical. Are you ready? I'm ready. We are at the lightning round. Okay. Okay. First question for you, coffee or tea? Tea. (gasps) I don't know why I gasped. (laughs) I think it's because every time someone doesn't say coffee, I'm like, tell me about your life. (laughs) What kind of tea do you drink? I like all kinds of tea. Really? No preference? My preferences line up with the time of day. So morning, I like black tea. Mm -hmm. Mid-morning or early afternoon, I like a cup of Earl Grey. Mm. Later in the day, I have to go low caffeine or lower caffeine. So green tea. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing makes me feel healthier than ordering a green tea. I'm like, oh God, am I like an actual earthen goddess ordering this green tea right now? Like that's how it feels. I'm like, do I live in the woods? It is, it is always, I feel so healthy. I love that. See something that could just make you feel so good. Just by It's ordering. true. iOS or Android? iOS. Forever and always? Yeah, kind of. I, I'm a Apple die hard through and through. Yeah, I know. Me too. I feel like resigned to it. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> but everything's so pretty. It's, it's so, so pretty. pretty. God, the, even the boxes, everything comes in. Come on. My son was an intern in Apple packaging and like <gasps> got to work on those oh beautiful God. boxes. Oh yeah. my God. He couldn't tell us anything he was doing. <laughs> but we Really? <laughs> That's fascinating. Oh my God. I love that. Wow. See, look, even without the brain teasers, they turned out okay. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a favorite board game? Exploding Kittens. Oh, okay. Wait, tell me why that's your favorite because I just bought it and I've never played it. Oh, I can't wait until you play it and hear what you think. It's just fun and funny. Like you can play it. Like, yeah, like you can play it again and again and enjoy it every time. That's what makes it super fun. And the cards are hysterical and it makes everybody slightly competitive in a good way. Ooh, that's really fun. What's the best number of people to play it with? You have to have at least four Okay. But the great thing is like you can play with more, especially with like the expansion packs. Yeah. Well, you want to have at least four because okay. of the way that people get eliminated. I bought the party pack because I think it expands okay. the number of people that you can play yes. with. Yes. Yeah. More is better actually. Oh, good. And I bought it on Amazon, I think. It arrived and I went to bring it to my friend's house. And so I shoved it into my backpack and it started playing music. <laughs> And I was so confused. Yeah, Yeah, I couldn't believe it. And so I like zip up my backpack and I'm like, is that, is that the Mexican hat dance song? Like it is. The answer is yes. And it is literally from Exploding Kittens, which I still haven't opened, but it's entertained me with its tunes. Awesome. I love it. Okay. I'm excited. I will report back on that for sure. Have you ever read a book twice? Oh yeah. Anything that you've read a lot or that you return to again and again? Lifetime favorite is To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm, that's such a good book. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a good one to reread. Yeah. Cause you can really get something different from that one each time. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. So beautiful. Do you have a pump up song before those big like boardroom Lucy Lou moments? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's a pump up song or like it probably can bridge between a pump up song and a walk up song is I love sweet disposition. Oh, that's a great song. Yeah. It's a fun one. It's like got a great lead up. Yes. That's a slow build in some ways that I feel like you need to be driving somewhere for sweet disposition to have the time. Yeah. 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 But it's Okay. That's great. And I'm sad that this is my last question for you because I wish we could keep talking, but what would you title your memoir? Recovering Perfectionist. 
Ah, uh, yes. Oh, and same. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Have you thought about that before? Not really. I don't know if I thought about like, oh, what would I, what would I write down? But I often tell people like, oh, I'm a recovering perfectionist just as by way of introduction of the older I get or more experience I get mm. of like letting go of like the neuroses, but actually recognizing that I had them and they're a part of me. When you don't realize that you're a perfectionist, it's hard to then, then you just think like, well, this is normal. This is how I live my life. And then one day you're like, oh, <laughs> what if I didn't do this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Who would notice? And the answer is no one. Yes, it me. turns out the answer is only <laughs> me. <no> one, yes. <laughs> That's great. Okay, I'm very excited for Recovering Perfectionist, which we can showcase at your In indie bookstore. Book yes. I know, I can't wait. <laughs> and thank you so much for coming on Non-Technical. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. It's been so much fun. And I'm looking forward to more conversations to come and Yes, Having please. Having a bookstore where all the non-technical books are right featured in the front. Yes. I can't wait. My podcast is really just a pipeline for me to make cool new friends. So honestly, this is going great so far. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. I just find people I want to be friends with and I'm like, oh, I'll ask them to be on the podcast. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. Such a great, that's a great strategy. Awesome. Well, we'll have to play some exploding kittens sometime soon while we plot Sounds out good. our oh, the yeah. indie bookstore. I can't wait. And where can people find more about you online? The best place is probably on Twitter. I'm I'm not a super all over social media, but uh, my Twitter is just Anne Ramondi. If they want to connect there, they can. Great. That's A-N-N-E-R-A-I-M-O-N-D-I. And if you want to find me, you can find me at Yay Alexis Gay on Twitter and Instagram or at Non-Technical Pod on Twitter. One more time, Anne. What a treat. Well worth the hype. Well worth the wait. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Ooh, yay. I have a review to read. This is from Josh Schuldman. Josh Oldman says, unique, five stars, a podcast that takes a non-traditional spin on the interview of people in tech. Though the guests have robust backgrounds, Alexis asks atypical questions to get to know their personal side. Thanks, Josh Oldman. I super appreciate it. And if you want to hear me read your review on the next episode, go ahead and head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave me a review, maybe toss in a little tech lingo, maybe throw in a little corpse speak, maybe give me five stars. I don't know. You tell me. And you just might hear it on the pod. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.